welcome to another episode of my podcast, Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity, which is a delve into my celebrity archive, a look back at some of the very famous people who I've interviewed over the years and the stories behind those interviews. And we continue with this series of well-known musicians and singers. And today you'll hear from Roger McGuinn, frontman of the legendary Birds, and then the late Robert Palmer, who tragically died in 2003 at the age of just 54. But let's start with Roger McGuinn, who I spoke to on the phone from his home in the US. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his work with The Birds, and as a solo artist, he released 10 albums and collaborated with, amongst others, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty. And I spoke to him back in around 2005 and started by asking him what he'd been doing recently. Well, I've been uh, touring, I've been recording. I, I had a uh, Grammy-nominated uh, CD this year. How are you um, received over here? Do you like the audiences in England? Oh, they're brilliant. They're, they're the best. They're great. I mean, they're really uh, into the music. They're very, um, you know, responsive. Mm. And when you, when you sing a song, they're right there listening to every word, and I love it. Do you think the audiences differ over here to America? Yes, I think so. I think they're more loyal. <laughs> <laughs> they're not quite as fickle. I think we appreciate, as you said, we appreciate our music over here. Yeah. And we love um, artists that, uh, you know, have been a part of groundbreaking groups, I suppose. I guess, yeah. Well, I, I always try to include some of the songs from the birds in my concerts. Which is nice, because people do expect them, don't they? Well, they do. Let's be honest about it. And I don't mind a bit. I love the songs. Which is nice, because, you know, I've spoken to a few people, and they say, well, you know, it's, it's great to do them, but, you know, when I've played a record, you know, a tune 4,000-odd times, it does get a bit, does get a yeah. bit wearing. I, I know that, but uh, it really depends on the material. You know, if you've got really great material, yep. like uh, Turn, 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 it's, a, it's well worth repeating. Do you change it at all um, when you play it so many times? No, actually, I don't. I, I, um, what I change is maybe my interpretation of it, just the attitude that I'm thinking w within myself while I'm playing it. But I generally don't change the melody or the time signature like some other artists we know. <laughs> As the years pass, you're still writing. Does your style change at all? I think it does, um, although lately I've been concentrating on <clears throat> traditional material. For the last few years, I've been trying to preserve it because my feeling was that it was getting lost in the shuffle with the way the music business was going, that the new folk singers were basically singer-songwriters, and they weren't paying much attention to the traditional side of folk music. So I've put up a website for the last um, six or seven years. I've been putting up a folk song every month on my website at mcguinn.com. That's M-C-G-U-I-N-N.com. And there's a section called The Folk Den, and I've got about 70 songs there now that are free for download, and the idea is to keep them going. That's quite, you know, some pressure on you to produce all this material. Well, it's fun. It's a labor of love, and that's what um, prompted my latest CD, Treasures from the Folk Den. I've uh, recorded a CD with Pete Seeger, Joan Baez, Judy Collins, Odetta, Tommy Makem and uh, some other friends, and, and we've uh, done all traditional material. A great lineup. Yeah. And the internet's becoming more and more important, isn't it, to musicians? I suppose it's introducing your work to a, to a whole new audience. It's a wonderful way of getting uh, really fast worldwide distribution. It is. It's a great thing. It's great for publicity. It's great for uh, communicating with admirers and fans, and <laughs> it's just great. Also, it's, um, I don't know, do you, do you find it sometimes a, an intrusion into your life? 
Well, when it becomes that, the good thing about it is that uh, it's kind of a one-way street. You can turn it off if you don't want to reply. You're heading to London. I think London's the nearest uh, gig that we've got for you. Um, I'm based in Essex, and people travel to London quite easily from here. You're here on the 1st of July, so you're here for the summer. I'm coming over in the middle of June and doing some more dates around the UK. So I don't have the exact lineup of dates, but it should be on my website soon. My my agent is posting it on my website. Well, we'll steer people towards that. All right. And, and what about the future, Roger? What What's after the tour? Well, I just tour more. You know, I, I love uh, touring. I'll come back to the States and do some more touring. It's amazing. People in your position, they always say they love touring, but it must be so tiring as well. Not really. It's, uh, it's much more tiring to be home and have to worry about household maintenance, you know, like fixing the roof and <laughs> taking yeah. out the garbage and all those things. Make, you know, <laughs> things that you take for granted on the road, like you have a maid service every day, you, you never have to cook because you eat out all the time. I mean, it's, it's just wonderful. It's, it's a very uh, nice lifestyle, so I don't know why people wouldn't like it. How has touring changed from now and when you're in the, you know, the early days of the birds? Okay, well, the best thing about it is that I'm not on the road with five guys you know I, I take my wife with me yeah. and it's it's more like a honeymoon than uh, drudgery <laughs> so uh, and we, we like to travel we, we, we enjoy the uh, different places we go and different foods and different people and it's just a sort of an adventure all the time and I bet the accommodation and food is a lot better than in the old days much better yeah it's really improved a lot everywhere I don't think I would like touring if I had to do it all by myself no, absolutely yeah and you're you're meeting new people all the time all the time. It's wonderful. I met Tony Blair last year in there when I was uh, traveling in, uh, I was in Manchester. So there is a downside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I liked it. You know, it was fun meeting him. The birds underwent multiple lineup changes throughout their existence, with frontman Roger McGuinn remaining the sole consistent member. The original five-piece lineup of the band consisted of McGuinn, Gene Clark, David Crosby, who went on to form Crosby, Stills and Nash, of course, Chris Hillman and Michael Clark. Now Robert Palmer. He found success both in his solo career and with Power Station and had top 10 songs in the United Kingdom and the United States back in the 80s. Three of his hit singles included I Didn't Mean to Turn You On, Addicted to Love and Simply Irresistible. He received a number of awards throughout his career, including two Grammy Awards for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance and an MTV Video Music Award. I spoke to him shortly before his death from a heart attack and we had a great chat, especially as we shared a connection with the lovely island of Malta. I was interested to read that you actually grew up in Malta. Yeah. Which uh, my mum's actually Maltese, so I've got a great affection for the country. So how did you actually end up going over there? Uh, my father was attached to the Navy. I went there when I was three months old, and I was there till I was uh, ten. I loved it. And I'm talking uh, the 50s. Yeah. So it wasn't a tourist attraction there at all then. It was, there was a, a marvellous 
formality about it since I was in the naval school and this that but everything was so uh, laissez-faire you know <laughs> days on the beach and it was, it was wonderful I, I had a great fondness for their cheesecakes as oh well. oh right. oh now you've hit the nail on the head Absolutely. damn those things are good yeah uh, oh boy I love those things yeah just moving on where do you where do you get where did you get your musical sort of background from did you inherit it from it, your it, folks uh, yes initially in Malta listen to the American Forces Network there was no other entertainment yeah i mean no movies no tv so i just soaked up the radio yeah. billy holiday peggy lee doris day actually I, I, when she's serious she's great under a blanket of blue and then you moved on and you joined a band which um is it true featured El- elkie brooks yeah uh, that was in i guess i was about 18 and 19 and i think that lasted i don't know four years or so and it was a, a great, tough apprenticeship, and uh, we did get around a lot. Why did you decide to go solo then? Well, mostly because, unfortunately, the democracy of a group means that when you hand in a song and everybody's fiddled with it, by the time it's done, it's got nothing to do with you anymore. Mm. And uh, I wanted, I had a specific kind of funk in mind, so I went to New Orleans and cut my first album there, and that was it. There was no looking back. And since then... The whole thing has been a continuous learning process, you know, how to write, how to range, uh, yeah. how to get what you want, and the distance between your imagination and what ends up on the record gets smaller and smaller, and you go, yeah, that's what I want, instead yeah. of, mm, it's kind of like it, but, you know. <laughs> you are responsible for one of the best-remembered videos of all time, I suppose, the girls in the, the black dresses, which was, um, was it directed by Terence Donovan? That's right. Uh, he called me up at home in the Bahamas and said he had an idea. Uh, he didn't tell me what it was. He said he'd see me. And I got there and did it in about half an hour with it against the blue screen. Got home and I saw it and I thought, wow, that's funny and glamorous. And his concept was, they're only going to show ten seconds of it, so I want it to be the same all the way through. That, that, that was his basic premise. And um, it's only in retrospect that it's become almost an iconic image. You know, it, it, it just is there now, but I'm, I'm not... Uh, putting any inappropriate significance as to why, you know, it's just stuck there, you know. Yeah. Well, it's every man's fantasy, I suppose, isn't it? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, one woman's enough. <laughs> well, Join- a night, that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> and then, um, from being a, a solo performer, you went on to um, join Power Station. I knew the Duran guys, um, we used to socialise a lot. And he'd called me up and said, look, we've been having a jam session, you'd call it, Mm. in New York. And we've got um, about 30 yards of G minor. Can you write something on top of it? And I liked the groove. And I wrote the lyric to Some Like It Hot. I guess that's their biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. On the plane, on the way in got there and sang it and that was i thought that was the end of it and initially their idea was to bring in i don't know mick jagger diana ross and all this but it it didn't work and so they called me back did you tour with them no why they had a quarter of a million on a wardrobe budget i said this is stupid my god yeah the, the thing is that they were stadium filling duran duran after all yeah. and that's the way they knew how to do things they yeah. did everything in grand style but it was, uh, I found it out of proportion with what the thing was. Yeah. And in retrospect, I was right. <laughs> Although, and this is a little known fact, we made a follow-up album, Power Station, which was a lot, lot better than the first one. It's really good. It's called Living in Fear. 
But unfortunately, it didn't see the light of day because we didn't have that initial shock value of the putting a, a disco rhythm section on top of an English pop group thing yeah, together. Yeah. And it, it, it was a shame because the uh, Living in Fear is a really great record. What are you doing with yourself nowadays? Um, working on finishing my next record, Drive, oh, which, right. which will be out uh, February, March. There's a couple of tracks on the compilation, the last two tracks, which are an indication of where I'm going with that. And where do you live nowadays? Switzerland. I've been there for 15 years. The area I live in is south of the Alps. It's a little place called Ticino, and it's Italian-speaking. The cuisine is in that direction, and it's an hour north of uh, Milan, which is where I uh, work. I'm off to Milan, um, November the 23rd, to see AC Milan versus uh, Inter Milan. In that case, I suggest you go to Alla Colina Pistoese. It's a fantastic restaurant. I've written it down. Robert Palmer. Incidentally, just going back to Malta for a moment, I've just recently got my Maltese citizenship, which I'm very proud of, and I'm planning a trip there very soon, and I can't wait to try the delicious Maltese cheesecakes again, which are small pastries stuffed with ricotta cheese and other things, but ricotta cheese are my favourite. Absolutely delicious. And that's it for another week. In the next episode, you'll hear an interview I did with another musical heavyweight, Steve Hackett, one of the pioneers and lead guitarist of Genesis from 1971 through to 1977. He contributed to six Genesis studio albums, three live albums and seven singles before he left to pursue a solo career. And he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well as a member of Genesis back in 2010. You put that uh, that famous ad in Melody Maker. That ad was answered by Peter Gabriel. You went on to um, to join Genesis, and a lot of people yeah. say it was the definitive lineup, and still say that, don't they? Well, people are very kind about that and say, you know, when it was a, a five-piece, it was at its best. It was certainly at its most varied at that point. Yeah. Um, whether it sold as many albums or not, um, I don't know. I, only the long term will, will, will prove that. Um, and the later albums, although they tended to sell more in the, in the short term, in the long term, it tends to be the older albums that um, people still go out and buy. That's Steve Hackett next week on Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity.